Hello and welcome to the 60th episode of Around the Corner. I am Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, how have you been? I'm pumped. I mean, it is our first episode after the minor league season has begun. Uh, I went to the home opener. Like, just it's I'm I'm really feeling my guardians right now, and and they're feeling me right back because they are all doing really really well. Like. All the people that we want to do good are are playing great, and now all we just need are a few people to get healthy. I think that we should just hop right into it this week, yeah. because you're right, it's been fun. Um, kicking things off, number one, Daniel Espino. As we know, he has not played a game due to injury. Um, yeah, as you guys all know, uh, had a little bit of a shoulder thing. I think scapula is what they called it. Um, it did end up being the major terrace muscle. Yeah, yeah. He was placed on a 60-day injured list to start the season for the minor leagues. So he is at least not going to be starting his season until probably June. We'll and that's if the other side. He, he starts the season then, yeah. So not great, but uh, at least I have not heard about any setbacks or anything um, since they did decide to uh, announce his injury. So... That's that's the one good news about Daniel Espino. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that bit of it. Who's next on our countdown? Well, next up, we have our first healthy pitcher, uh, Gavin Williams, former 2021 pick, first round. How, how do you do? He had a pretty delightful week. Uh, in the game that he started, he went four and a third innings and basically annihilated everyone. He gave up two hits. And one walk, striking out nine batters. It's good for a strikeouts per nine of 18.69. More than good. half of the batters he faced, he struck out. Uh, he had a negative FIP. It was negative dot three one. I'm not going to lie. I've never seen a pitcher with a negative FIP. He apparently did not need fielders. <laughs> um, his whip was also 69. Oh, dot, nice. Well, dot 69. Nice. It was nice. very nice. Uh, yeah. And that was at double A. Um, if you guys remember, in our last episode, we mentioned uh, Williams is starting at double A, Bybee's starting at triple A. And I can tell you right now, after I watched that start, I watched like him just mow down people. He's already ready for triple A. Like, there is no challenge for him at double A. Like, he, he was facing the, the, the eerie Seawolves, I think, who were the champions of double A last year. That's a Detroit Tigers farm system, which is supposed to have some pretty good hitters in it. And I mean, he just humiliated that team. So the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. Like, and what's funny is the second he left the game, like those same batters all of a sudden started hitting well against the bullpen. So like these are, these were good hitters and he just completely annihilated them. So I'm not joking right now. If he makes more than five starts at double-A, I'll be surprised. Especially with uh, what's been happening at triple-A and the major league level. Yeah, I'm, I've been thinking, depending on how Gavin Williams starts this season, we might we might see him at the major league level at some point. Yeah, but I mean, at least at least get him up to triple-A to challenge him. Because yeah. he, is, <laughs> he is, not, he is not getting challenged. I mean, he might 
you know, need to be get called up to major leagues to get challenged. And then, and then what happens after that, after, after he gets a negative FIP at the major league level, is, is there something after the major league? I don't know. <laughs> Hitters are somebody's kids and it's not fair. Our next player on the list is George Valera. He is still dealing with a hamate. No, not hamate. It was a wrist. Wrist. Uh, But still, I mean, it's not serious as far as I've heard. I mean, there's nothing broken. It's just he swung weird, shook his hand, and he hasn't really played much since. So as far as I've heard... He's just been uh, playing a little bit in in Arizona, doing some rehab work, and I expect he should be back soon. He was placed on the injured list at AAA, but I mean, as from everything I've heard, it is not a serious injury. So I'm hoping that he gets back soon. Speculating wildly, yeah. There's great drills you can do to work on hand and wrist strength. They're torture, but they're so good for hand and wrist strength. Yeah, you get in horse position and stick your arms straight out. And it is getting frustrating that that seems to be just a recurring thing with him. So pull your your fingers all the way back towards your uh, forearms, but you have to keep a bar, probably a baseball bat in this case, balanced on your forearms the whole time. On the bright side, though, you you know, Cleveland's outfield is, you know, they have three pretty solid outfielders at the moment. So there's no rush to get George Valera back right now. No, there's not. And I, I think he's a prospect of that he has a ceiling such that Cleveland will make sure that he has every opportunity to reach it, I would think. Well, next up, uh, we've got uh, another pitcher that was healthy, and uh, his name's Tanner Bybee. So uh, how did Mr. Bybee do in his Triple A debut and 2023 debut? He went ahead and tossed five innings of shutout baseball. It was a great performance. He had seven strikeouts total, gave up a walk and four hits. So it ended up being a nice even whip of one, a FIP of 1.2. And that was a great start. And I'll tell you what, it could have been even better. Um, I watched this one as well. When he was in the first inning, he was throwing 98 Mm. consistently, sitting like 97, 98. But it looked like he was running out of gas by the fifth inning. Uh, he was getting into the low 90s with this fastball. And they actually brought him out for the sixth inning. And he gave up two hits without getting anybody out. So that's actually what killed his whip. Uh, was giving up a couple extra free base runners without getting any outs before they took him out. And thankfully, his bullpen buddy came in and uh, did not allow any inherited runners to score. So kept his ERA at a nice zero. So he uh, started the game sitting 98. And what in you said he came out I, in the sixth in, this, in this in the sixth inning he was throwing about 91 so that's the only thing for me that is uh, gonna keep him from going straight up to the pros is just build up a little bit more conditioning um so that he can keep that velocity a little deeper into games because i remember you know last year daniel espino was throwing 102 miles an hour in the sixth inning so you know, Tanner Bybee, what really makes, sets him apart is the fact that he has this control of every single one of his pitches that is just at a ridiculous Bieber-esque level and that he can throw a fastball 98 miles and blow it by you. So if he's dropping down to 91 by the fifth or sixth inning, that's why you're seeing him getting hit a little bit. 
So I'm hoping that they can just keep working on that endurance a little bit because uh, you don't you don't want to see a pitcher not be able to sustain velocity because yes, there's gets, a number of reasons for that. Yeah, and when that happens, like anything, and you know, say we're halfway through the season and it's still happening. Then you start freaking out and going, well, maybe, uh, you know, he's a guy that's only going to be pitching a few innings at a time. And you don't want that. This is a guy that I really want them. I want to be a long-term starter for Cleveland's future for like a decade. Hope that he can uh, sustain that 98 miles an hour a lot deeper into a game this next start. We'll see. I will try to watch his next start for sure. But just in case, could you keep an eye on the velocity again? Absolutely. The game? Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the main thing I've been paying attention to just because I know how good he is. I mean, and I'm not joking. If you watched his first inning, I mean, it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like people were just watching like him paint corners. Um, he was mixing in all his off-speed pitches. Just pitch batters were just swinging like, like I don't know, he threw like maybe one ball. Like it was just great. Like this is this is the type of pitcher that you dream about. So we just gotta hope that he can, uh, you know, build up that endurance. Like I said, we have a, a fabulous hitter next here on the countdown by the name of Brian Rocchio. What did your namesake do this week? Yeah, uh, Mr. Rocchio, shortstop prospect, the professor at AAA, um, had a rock solid stretch uh basically over a what 10 game period he slashed 325 400 450 had a nice uh 126 wrc plus that's spectacular strikeout percentage 13.3 that's not bad at all walk percentage 11.1 that's great um had 13 hits in 40 at bats uh five of them doubles Knocked in uh, three runs, scored seven, stole three bases, did not get caught stealing. I mean, just excellent. And, uh, you know, didn't hit any home runs, but the extra base hits were all over the place. So in 10 games, I mean, that's a double every other game. That's great. I have nothing to add. That was beautiful. When you got one of your top, uh, you know, position player prospects getting off to a start like that, that makes you that makes you happy because you know that if you know something happens, uh, you've got somebody on the forty man roster that's ready and hitting hitting well. Speaking of which, who's yeah. next? Yeah, next up uh, we got a certain catching prospect named Bo Naylor. How's how's he doing to start his season, uh, Mister Matt? In ten games, he slashed two thirty five. Wait for it. 435, 500 Ooh. for a WRC plus of 144. 11 walks plus one intentional walk. It's a very smart move by the opposing team. Uh, two double, or excuse me, three doubles, two home runs, driven in nine. He did get caught stealing. Other than that, um, tick tock. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, he also uh, has been throwing out some base runners too uh, from behind the plate. So. Looking great. I mean, really. Thankfully, you know, we're not in like imminent need of catching help at the moment. Zunino, I mean, as I mean, Zunino's yes, the the blocking curveballs in the dirt is a problem at the major league level. But Zunino's already had three, two games with three extra base hits. We didn't have a catcher get three extra base hits in a game in a decade before that, and he's already done it twice. It's marvelous to see what Zunino's been doing at the plate. 
there's part of me that wonders if someone needed to learn the lesson of how valuable it is to be able to block balls in the dirt or something. I mean, he can, he's still doing everything else, right? Like his arm is good. He's throwing people out. He's uh, framing well. Yeah. But uh, blocking the balls in the dirt, that is definitely something that uh, needs to improve. I know there have been um, a lot of different opinions about Bo's defense throughout his time in the minors. Do we have a feel for how he is it going down? And I mean, I can infer based on some things I know, but yeah, I mean, I honestly can't tell you because I haven't seen enough of him like just long-term behind the plate. I mean, I watched him catch, you know, Bybee, but I mean, Bybee throws it right to his glove every pitch. I mean, the only time he throws it in the dirt is if he is like aiming at the dirt and Bo knows it's coming. So, yeah. So, so I, I, I couldn't tell you, I know Bo is improving defensively. I know he's got a cannon arm, but uh, in terms of framing and, uh, you know, stopping balls and, that land in front of him. I, I couldn't tell you if he's better than Zunino or not. I, I doubt he's better at framing than Zunino because that's one of his specialties. It's interesting. I'm just thinking defense is very fuzzy for players in the minors, um, but a catcher defense, especially. Yeah. I, I think right now, like the only reason we would be calling up Bo before like June is if there is an injury because Zunino's doing fine. Like I'm like, there's no rush. Yeah, I'm, like let Bo do his thing. Let Bo settle in, and you know, just really get comfortable at AAA. As hard as people have been on Zanino for his defense so far, I can almost guarantee he's been at least twice as hard on himself. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we have another major leaguer, in fact, uh, who is quickly burning through his prospect eligibility, and will probably be leaving this list soon. By the name of Will Brennan, outfielder. Yeah. Uh, Brennan's off to a, a decent start at the major league level. Like he's, you know, a, a little bit below average. I think part of that was because of a couple of appearances early in the season where he was getting uh, some spot starts, but it seems like, uh, he has gotten onto Tito's good side because he is getting more playing time right now than Oscar Gonzalez. Um, basically against every single righty he's starting. Whoop. I wouldn't be surprised to, to see, uh, him start. And, I mean, the defense is great. Um, he's drawing walks. I mean, really the only issue is, uh, just, a um, couple times, just not making enough contact or just not enough hard contact. But I mean, he had one that I think would have been a home run and ended up being a double just because of, uh, how cold it was in, in Cleveland, but slashing 238, 292, 333, uh, strikeout percentage is only 12.5 and that's at the major league level. Walk percentage nice. 8.3. Solid two doubles, scored three runs, no stolen bases yet, um, and only three strikeouts in uh, twenty-four plate appearances. So yeah, we can absolutely take that. I think the the best thing is the five RBIs because he's had a, a couple sacrifice flies, so he's come up in situations and uh, came through for Cleveland as well. Uh, it's not like he's striking out in that spot right yeah. now, and that's and- that's really been the difference between him and Oscar. Is you know Oscar is really not drawing walks, and Oscar is not making that hard, loud contact that he's known for. So that so home we'll, run goes yeah. out of the park for Brennan. Wind was blowing in that day too. I mm-hmm. think these numbers yep. look a little different. So not a, t- not too different, but instead of decent, we're probably going, oh, okay, Will Brennan. Yeah. 
And I think Will's numbers are only going to get better because, you know, the more playing time he gets, the more comfortable he's getting in there. Uh, next up, we've got yet another position player. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how Angel Martinez is doing at double A right now. 353, 421, 529. Whew. 175 WRC+, to put it in the context of the league. That is um, 75% better than everyone else, just, just so you know. And they've mostly been... It's an interesting line because he has five singles and a home run. <laughs> the home run's the only time he scored. Two walks, struck out five times. So that's a K rate of 26.3. The thing to note is that he did have a BABIP of dot... Why am I saying dot today? That's ridiculous. He had a BABIP of 4.55. One thing that I've started to hear about that I think is important to pay attention to is high BABIP is a good thing at the minor league level because yeah. that means you're hitting the ball hard. It's not just luck. Like maybe at the major league level when you know it's stretched out over 162 games, uh, I mean there are still so- going to be some players that are going to have a higher BABIP than others. But at the, the minor leagues, I've heard that high BAPIP is actually a better thing to pay attention to than even like walk rate. Because like walk rate could could also be a signal of, you know, passivity. Yeah, he's That's, scorching the ball. Yeah. There is a little bit of regression we can expect, but mm-hmm. he's scorching the baseball. And That's you got to remember, baseball. he's only played four games. Like these other yeah. guys, Rokio and Naylor, they played 10. So the fact that he's already got... Uh, six hits in four games, and one of them being a home run. Yeah, I I am ecstatic about Angel Martinez's hot start to the Double A season. So he's he, just keep putting that pressure on at that middle infield. Force force Cleveland to do something. They're going to have to make some trades here. So and this is a um this is a very fun list this week at the top ten because there's really, really is. there's no bad performances for guys that played. What can you tell us about Logan Allen? Yeah, Logan Allen was ridiculous. Yeah, remember last year when Logan Allen started the season amazing at Double A, got promoted to Triple A, and then immediately like just could not throw strikes. That is not that is not the case. Arm. Yeah, <laughs> um, he is off to a tremendous start, and he's already made two starts at Triple A. Um, and in those two starts, he's gone uh, nine and two thirds innings. Um, struck out 11, walked four, allowed only one run on one solo home run, ERA 0.93, FIP 3.71, got a 28.9 strikeout percentage, uh, 10.5 walk percentage. I mean, he's 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 looked great. So, And the best part, you know, I'd heard that he was more of a low 90s guy, but uh, he was hitting 95 miles an hour in his last start, so... That, that really gets me excited, too. I mean, that's the hardest-throwing lefty starter that we've had in years, if if that's the case. Him sitting mid-90s is phenomenal. I mean, unless you count Hentges, but, you know, I, I don't really consider him a starter, even if he did have a couple spot starts for us. That's fair. Uh, for Chase DeLouder, we don't have any stats. Yeah. No, but... no update yet on Chase DeLouder. Uh, Although, just like uh, Espino, no, nothing negative, <laughs> no setbacks, <laughs> and that he is... was, and he was not placed on the sixty-day injured list, as far as I've heard. So that that is the other good news. Well, that wraps up the top ten for the week, and I believe we are ready to present our first edition of the top five from anywhere segment. Yeah. So obviously, the top ten is the top ten prospects in the system, as voted by you uh, covering the corner readers and how they've performed. 
This time for top five of the week, these are just literally who I thought were our top five performers across the board in terms of uh, players in Cleveland system. It's a lot easier to, to calculate this at the beginning of the year because you just look at their stats and go, oh, okay, that's what they did. <laughs> now, I could have picked several pitchers. The, the only reason I only have one pitcher here is because there's only one pitcher that had two great starts. There were a bunch of guys that had one great start. Like, I'm not joking. You go through Cleveland's system, uh, starting pitchers, there were probably about 10 guys that went four to five innings scoreless with like seven or eight strikeouts. I mean, it was insane. There was Bybee and Williams, but I mean, there was also like Brawny Munoz, five no-hit innings. Tommy Mace, like eight strikeouts, four innings, one run. Like just all over the park, everybody, like a lot of our uh, starting pitching prospects are off to great starts. The only place where they weren't was uh, AAA. Like uh, Connor Pilkington gave up like 11 runs in his first start. But, you know, that's why he's not starting at Cleveland right now, too. So. Indeed. So first things first, uh, tell us a little, little bit about our top performer so far. His name is Zach Collins. In a stretch of 10 games, he had 15 hits, six of which were doubles, two of which were home runs, eight walks, seven strikeouts, stole a bag, all very good to the tune of 405, 488, 730 on his slash line, a 211 WRC+. Plus. Yeah, and uh, Collins, <laughs> Collins is a former Chicago White Sox top catching prospect, and he was known as more of a bat-first catching prospect. Um was not very good behind the plate defensively. And that's really where he lost a lot of his luster as a prospect. I mean, he could hit, but he just didn't really have a, a position. So Cleveland's been doing a little bit of um, catching first base DH with him. And um, I mean, he's raking. I mean, he's actually been the hottest player out of all the players at uh, Columbus. I mean, his OPS, I think, was about 13. 1200 i mean it's just through the roof so yeah because 488 plus 730 right so oh yeah slugging plus uh on base so i hear an ops that high and i just instantly doubt it yeah <laughs> but, i mean yeah, i can see just now. nasty so and then you know there were obviously some other guys at triple a that were off to a good start but uh we had some guys in obviously small sample size of only a few games but we had some other guys that got off to some ridiculous starts as well. Yeah, what can you tell us about number two? So uh, Joe Lampy, is it Lampy or Lamp? I believe um, it's Lampe. Lampe. He's from Marseille. <laughs> yeah. He is the only uh, member of Cleveland's 2022 draft class to start the year at high A. If you remember last year, we had several guys from that class start at high A, mainly pitchers, uh, starting pitchers. Um, like Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, uh, Tommy Mace, Doug Nikhazy, like like all of our top uh, pitching draft picks went there. Surprisingly, uh, only Joe Lamp Lampe <laughs> uh, started <laughs> at high A, and uh, he is proving himself quite impressively. Now, obviously, three games, super small sample size, 
but he is off to a 500, 583, 700 slash line. Good for a 298 WRC plus at a bat pip of 500. Did not strike out, walked twice, um, stole a base, scored three runs, two doubles, five hits in uh, 10 at bats, 12 plate appearances overall. Kill Just guys. absolutely crushing the ball. Uh, he was a guy that was looking good, like in spring training, like and like impressing people in spring training, um, and you know we literally just drafted the guy, so uh, I'm excited about him, and that's why I had him on my corner cupboard. So, so we'll get to that later, though. I did just double check uh, a broadcast snippet from the Pac-12 Network last year. I can't tell you anything else about the broadcast as we do not have the expressed written consent of Pac-12 baseball, but it is pronounced Lampy. Lampy. Okay. Boom. There I'm we go. Stop saying boom too. What's wrong with me? <laughs> boom goes to dynamite. Yes. All right. Well, let's hear about our uh, next player on our top five list. Owner of 80 grade name Guy Lipscomb slashed 500, 667, 750. Beautiful. Screams small sample size by looking at the numbers. So yes, it's just three games, eight at bats, but he scored, he scored four runs <laughs> in, yep. in those three games. Uh, had a couple of doubles, stole two bags. Great start. Yeah. Four walks, one strikeout. And it's Guy Lipscomb Jr., actually. Oh, my. <laughs> and uh, he was another college outfielder that Cleveland drafted. So all the attention was on Chase DeLouder as the first round pick uh, as a college outfielder. But Fools. Cleveland Cleveland drafted Joe Lampe, or Lampe and, uh, and Guy Lipscomb Jr. as college outfielders as well. Um, and both of them are off to scorching starts. So that's great news. I mean, when you draft college bats, they're advanced bats. You want to see, you know, where they are settling in, uh, at least up to uh, this early. And this was at Lynchburg. He did not start at Haye like uh, Lampy did. But uh, Lipscomb is just scorching hot. It looks like uh, our next player is the exact same way. So I can't remember. Should I be introducing this one? <laughs> yes. Sorry. All right. I had to think, I had to yeah. think about it for a second. So, uh, yeah, Nate, Nate Furman. <laughs> Nate Furman, um, he also was a college position player that Cleveland drafted last year. I think he was their third or fourth round pick. He was a second baseman. And when I heard that he was going to be starting the year at uh, Lynchburg. I was a little surprised. I thought that maybe they would jump him up to a high A as well, because I heard that he had extremely good uh, contact skills and a great eye at the plate. And he's proving that uh, right off the bat. I was actually stunned because first game, first lineup, he was number nine in the batting order for Lynchburg. And I was just like, what? This guy should be leading off. He has insane on base ability. Well, first game, I think he drew two walks and got a hit. And they're like, oh, next game he let off. <laughs> so uh, in three games so far, he's uh, got five walks, one strikeout, a stolen base. He has four hits, one of them a double, scored four runs already, uh, slashing 400, 600, 500. Good for a, a rock solid 218 WRC+. plus. So... Um, you know, these college bats that Cleveland drafted are off to tremendous starts, which is great news because these are guys that could go through the system quick. That is the 
one of the benefits about college bats for sure, as you were mentioning uh, earlier. Because I mean, if you remember, Will Brennan was a college bat, and you know he started last year at Double A, and look what happened. Now he's a major league baseball player. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Finished the year on the playoff roster. Yeah, our final member of the top five from anywhere this week is Logan Allen. Yep, and obviously we've said you know everything we really need to say about Logan, but great start, great two starts for Logan Allen. So very good news for all of you. Uh, Logan lovers. <laughs> we are now in the corner cupboard. Yep. And uh, for the those of you unaware of what the corner cupboard is, it is basically Matt and I pick a position player and a pitcher that was not in Cleveland's uh, like top in our top 20 for the covering the corner top prospect countdown. And maybe somebody that we feel got snubbed or maybe just somebody we think is really interesting and we should be paying extra attention to. So, uh, and then we follow them along. Uh, last year, I had Will Brennan and Will Dion, uh, with Will Brennan graduating to top 10 prospect status. Illegal. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, I had to pick somebody else, and uh, I went and picked Joe Lampy. Uh, you know, maybe people didn't know who he was yet, but I think they're going to know him soon. Yeah, his. Um, I'm just looking at the stats again because it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, two two ninety eight WRC plus. I mean, he was three times the average player through three games. I mean, that's that's insane. That was my batter, and he was uh, for a good chunk of last season. I had started with Daniel Schneeman and then traded for Jake Fox. Mm-hmm. Fox started the year off with a zero seventy seven one forty three zero seventy seven slash. That's good for a WRC plus of negative 13. Okay. Uh, struck out 42% of the time. Stole a base. Yep. Had Did a, get a walk. He had a hit. And a walk. And he came around to score once. So. There we go. Uh, his BABIP for the week was 143. So, yeah, Strikeout just a little unlucky. Great, but, but, you know three what? Three games. Three games. Super small sample size. I mean, as much as I'm hyping up some of our guys... It's still a super small sample size. We got to be uh, excited when somebody has a 298 WRC plus. And the good news with Jake Fox is he's super young. He's actually at the same level Joe Lampy is high A. And Jake Fox, I think, is 20 years old. So uh, Lampy's, I think, 22. So, um, you know, anything Jake Fox does that's, you know, above average or even average is great. Because, like, when people talk about some of Cleveland's internet like younger prospects that are performing well you always have to remember that you know when they're performing well they're typically also facing people that are on average like three or more years older than them age is a factor tell us about your pitcher yeah my pitcher uh parker messick um he was cleveland's uh second pitcher taken in the 2022 draft Uh, a nasty little uh left-handed pitcher that throws in uh, the low 90s, and he made his season debut um, actually as the opening day starter for Lynchburg, and he went four innings, um, did not give up any runs, struck out five, walked one, which is great. The bad was he gave up seven hits, but somehow he got out of it. So his whip was terrible at two. I mean, two (laughs) per inning, but... Uh, those strikeouts helped him get out of those innings. 
and um, ended up having a, a 2.38 FIP, which is great as well. So hopefully, you know, innings. yeah, yeah. Four innings, you know, you never want to give up seven hits in four innings, but it seems like uh, he kept them all in the ballpark and obviously nobody came around to score. So maybe they were, you know, some seeing eye singles. I didn't really get a chance to see all the hits. I only saw like a little compilation of his strikeouts. Um, I'll have to get a, a closer look at his next start. But at least he started the season with four shutout innings and five strikeouts. So not bad, not amazing, just because of the getting hit, but I'll take it. And then uh, obviously you have a pitcher as well, but I don't think uh, as of showtime he has anything that is going to be registered, right? Correct. Jack Leftwich started tonight for the Akron Rubber Ducks. Mm -hmm. And I am legally unable to read his statistics <laughs> until two weeks from now. There we go. And by then, maybe he'll even have had two, if not, or one, if not, two more starts. So we'll be looking forward to that. I'm excited to keep track of the cupboard again for the rest of the yep. season. Uh, it's been fun now that we've been doing this for 60 episodes. Yeah. Goodness. Um, it's been fun to see where these guys end up. I mean, we've already seen uh, two debuts so far for rookies in uh cleveland uh with tim heron and peyton battenfield and i'd say both of those have been very good debuts so let's let's uh keep uh looking forward to to more successful mlb debuts from cleveland system this year and that rolls things over to the injuries and transactions section of the podcast mm -hmm. and we've so, got a few that are of note this yeah. week so, I mean, we already talked about the the top three, which were, uh, you know, Valera, Espino, and DeLauder, but there were a few other, you know, high-profile injuries that people might uh, be interested in. Uh, Cody Morris, uh, who I think is uh, covering the corners, like number like 12 or 13 prospect, was on the 60-day injured list. Um, he had some shoulder issues uh, in the spring training, working his way through it. Good news, no setbacks. I think he has begun a throwing program, so that's the good news. And then this one was a bit of a surprise because it just kind of came out of nowhere, but Cleveland's top uh, draft pick in the 2022 draft pick, that's their top pitcher taken, I believe he was taken uh, in the uh, first round like supplemental portion or a competitive balance portion. Of the first round, Cleveland took a Justin Campbell, big 6'6 right-hander with, uh, you know, mid to upper 90s stuff. Maybe not quite the next Gavin Williams, but uh, a lot of hype about him. Uh, and then he is starting the year uh, on the injured list. Uh, from what I heard was elbow, and no, it's not like torn ligament. What I heard was, I think it's called like neuritis. It is a nerve issue where... It's your funny bone and you're getting like uh, that funny bone sensation constantly in your hand. Um, it can cause, uh, at least in the short term, some uh, loss of strength and feeling in your fingers and grip. So um, the good news is, you know, time, it just, it recovers in time. For the most part, you, you, you typically don't need surgery for it. Um, you just have to to let it play out and it can take up to from two to like six weeks. It just depends. And I don't know how long he's been dealing with this. I just know that it is 
has delayed his start to the season. And Cleveland's going to be careful with this. Again, it's not a, you know, torn elbow ligament or anything, but when it's affecting, you know, your grip strength and and that's a very big important part of, you know, throwing uh breaking balls and um having good movement on your pitches, um Cleveland's going to, you know, be careful with this. So um, I'm not sure how long it'll be until we see Justin Campbell make his uh, 2023 debut, but hopefully it's sooner rather than later, but I would rather they be careful than rush him back. Yeah, it's nice to hear that it's not a, um, I mean, no injuries are good, but it's nice to hear that it's not a more traumatic injury, yeah, not- which seemed to be all over the place in baseball this year. Good yeah. God. I mean, we yeah, injuries left and right. I mean, you just, just ask my fantasy my keeper fantasy league. But uh, then we have uh, Justin Boyd. Um, If you remember, uh, he was the first player that Cleveland got back in the Will Benson trade with Cincinnati. They actually ended up getting another player back who was Cincinnati's second round pick from the year before uh, a pitcher that is at like the double or triple A level already. So really good return for, uh, what Cleveland was able to get. Um, but uh, Justin Boyd is not starting the season um, and he currently is dealing with a hamstring issue. Uh, he actually debuted at uh, what would be Lynchburg for Cincinnati last year, uh, right after they drafted him. So, I mean, I would have expected that he was going to start this year at high A. Uh, we'll see what happens when he, he is ready to play, but uh, he is definitely a guy that you're going to want to pay attention to. He's new to the system, but he is another advanced high contact college bat with a good eye at the plate. So, you know, it's it's a familiar strategy that Cleveland has uh, embracing right now. If it keeps working, yep, keep doing it. <laughs> And then uh, Angel Ganau, uh, an inter- one of the, their top international prospects from, uh, I think, the 2019 international signing period. He's about you know 20 years old. Um, I think last year he spent a decent portion of the season at Lynchburg. He had off-season meniscus surgery, and he should actually be starting here pretty soon. But awesome. um, he just wasn't quite ready to start the season. But from what I heard, you know, he's he should be ready to go soon. And then and then the bad news was uh, Nick Mikolajczyk, a guy that uh, people were hoping might make uh, Cleveland's bullpen or at least be in contention for their bullpen this year as a guy that getting called up maybe later in the season for depth. Uh, they shut him down and then uh, he had to have Tommy John surgery. So. Um, hopefully this repairs whatever his issues he had last year when his velocity was down. So, but it's going to be another full year at least before we see him again. And I, that should just about do it for all of, uh, the, the injuries, at least as far as the, the more significant ones to, uh, the, the more interesting prospects. Yeah. I'm upset about Mikulajic, but Yeah, at least Tommy John surgery appears to be something that Many, many guys come back from without too much problem mm-hmm. anymore. Oh, and speaking of uh, Ethan Hankins, I think was uh delayed start to the season. I don't think it was Tommy John related. I think it might have been like an ankle or something. So, okay. But he should hopefully be ready to go here soon. An ankle or something doesn't sound like he needed to go under the knife. So, yeah. excellent. Keep an eye on Bybee's velocity. 
next yep. time he pitches. I will. So I believe that brings us to the end of okay. this episode of Around the Corner. Um, I have an E.E. E. Gamings poem from the past because I have been unable to get ChatGPT to sufficiently generate new E.E. E. Gamings content as of this time. All right. May I read it? Let's hear it. From September 16th, 2002. Your hunger deserves my prudence. And my infinity trusts your fidelity. Scene. 